Welcome to season nine of Next Question with me, Katie Couric. I've got some big news to share with you in our season premiere featuring the one and only Chris Jenner. Oh my gosh, congratulations. That is very, very exciting. And that's just the beginning. We'll also be joined by podcast host Jay Shetty, Hillary Clinton, Renee Fleming, Liz Cheney, and many more. So come on in, take a break from the incessant negativity for a weekly dose of fascinating conversations. Some of them, I promise, will actually put you in a good mood. Listen to Next Question with me, Katie Couric, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith, host of the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and I answer your phone calls and respond to your tweets. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions and straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. All that and more. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. The Elevation with Stephen Furtick podcast was created with you in mind. This is a podcast for those feeling discouraged or needing guidance from God. Together in this podcast, we'll dive deep into scripture, uncover the powerful truths that will help you rise above your limitations and embrace your full potential. We're here to equip you with the tools you need to conquer life's challenges. Listen to Elevation with Stephen Furtick every Sunday and Friday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to the Hardwood Handicappers Podcast. They're a bunch of guys who ain't never played the game, and they never got the girls in high school, and they just want to get in the game. With your host, Jonathan Von Tobel. See, the thing is, you guys look at me, you see the backwards hat, the uh, gray socks, the funky outfit, and you say, now this guy's a chump, am I right? No, I'm geek. I'm f-ing geek. Only on the VSIN Podcast Network. What's up, folks? Welcome in. Happy All-Star break. We finally reached it. We're about 70% of the way through the NBA season. All-Star break is upon us. Good way if you've been handicapping every single day of the NBA year to uh, kind of recharge the batteries, retool on things that you've gotten wrong. Going to spend this time studying up, getting ready for the home stretch here. Last six weeks of the NBA season already going to be around when we come back from the All-Star break this coming Thursday. So, uh, I think we got a fun episode today. We won't take it super serious. There's some news to discuss. But other than that, we'll take a look at All-Star Weekend, the competition, the teams, all that kind of stuff. And then we'll come back around on Monday uh, with an episode kind of looking ahead to the second half, if you will, even though, again, 70% of the season's already in the books. But what we're looking at in terms of play-in races, remaining schedules, what we can expect, all sorts of things in the final six weeks of the NBA season. So look out for that one on Monday. Uh, as for today, before we get to the All-Star weekend and the uh, festivities that will be, a couple of stories to discuss. First off, of course, Anthony Davis, you all know by now, got injured Wednesday, uh, injures an ankle, is going to be reevaluated in four weeks, pretty big problem there. And, uh, <clears throat> like, it sucks for the Lakers, mainly because you know, the continuity has not been there for this team, as we know all season long. From a statistical standpoint, right, cold-blooded numbers, it's not the biggest drop-off in the world if AD can't play on the floor this season. Uh, Anthony Davis and Lakers with him on the floor. Uh, they've been outscored by 2.7 points every 100 possessions. Their offense has been atrocious, just scoring 106.8 per 100. Defense has been fine, giving up 109.4. And they don't, you know, they get up and down the floor, not an insane rate, 17.2% in their transition frequency. But really, 
the the minutes off the floor with Anthony Davis off the floor, this is where it gets kind of intriguing because while people might be willing to punt on the Lakers without Anthony Davis, the Lakers without Anthony Davis have not actually been terrible and they bid play a good chunk of games uh, without him, right? And off the floor this season, Anthony Davis off the floor, net rating, it's actually just negative one. It's still negative, but it goes from negative 2.7 to negative one. The big change is their offense. They average nearly six points per 100 possessions more on offense without Anthony Davis out there, 112.4. And they only give up five more points, or actually four more points, excuse me, per 100 possessions on the floor. Their defensive rating goes from 109.4 to 113.4. So there's a drop-off defensively, clearly, but they make up a lot of it on the offensive end themselves. So the offense gets better. The defense gets worse. You know, And you look at some of these numbers with LeBron James and Russell Westbrook together without Anthony Davis, and you get a little bit more positive, right? Russell Westbrook, LeBron James on the floor together without Anthony Davis. Net rating, plus 0.9. Offensive rating, 114.3. Defensive rating at about 113.3. Their transition offense is solid. They add about 3.5 points per 100 possessions through transition offense. And then you whittle it down even further, and you look at some of these lineups with LeBron James at center, which is actually really intriguing. LeBron James playing center and Russell Westbrook on the floor. Most of these minutes playing point guard for Russell Westbrook. Net rating for the Lakers, plus 6.4. Offense averaging 118.9 points per 100 possessions. They add 3.6 points per 100 possessions through transition offense. Defense is still pretty poor, 112.5. That defense is going to be a problem throughout the year. But when AD's not out there, LeBron takes a couple of these, you know, a few of these lineups and plays center. And the returns have been awesome for the Los Angeles Lakers statistically. Their most used lineup with LeBron out there at the five, Russell Westbrook at the uh, point guard position, then uh, Malik Monk, Avery Bradley, Stanley Johnson, and then, of course, LeBron James at the five. Those five out there together in that positional order, plus 13.1 points per 100 possessions, according to Cleaning the Glass. So it's not going to be the worst thing in the world, I would think, in these uh, these weeks without him. Because, again, four weeks he gets reevaluated. He does not come back. And that was a scary injury. So I'm honestly surprised that he's going to come back. It's actually cool to hear that it's, it sounds serious, but that he's got a shot at coming back and playing basketball again this season, uh, given the 90-degree angle which his ankle took in that game against the Utah Jazz on Wednesday. But not surprisingly, got to stay healthy for the Lakers. Uh, buyout market only has so much. And looking at what the potential buyout candidates are, and we'll get more into this uh, on the Monday episode, but eh, – it doesn't look great for the Los Angeles Lakers because I know that was a report that they're turning their eye toward the buyout market. Um, I mean, one of the guys that's on this roster is actually a contender to get to the buyout market. That'd be Kent Bazemore. Uh, but you look at uh, Eric Bledsoe potentially being on the buyout market. Uh, he could maybe find his way back to Los Angeles. But, of course, um, to the other team, Goran Dragic be out there. The Lakers and the Bulls uh, are reportedly interested in him. Drew Eubanks out of Toronto. Derek Favors, they don't really need another big from Oklahoma City. Gary Harris out of Orlando. uh, Not moved to the deadline by the Magic. Could be bought out here and be a candidate. Jerry Lamb. I mean, there's on and on and on. We can go down the list of guys um, that are potentially available for some of these teams and potential additions. Tomas Sadoransky, you know, as you can tell, I'm clearly focusing on backcourt players here. Um, But, you know, there's a lot. John Wall, Tristan Thompson, Dennis Schroeder, Tomas Nuranski, Mike Muscala. So keep an eye on those uh, a lot of those names in the buyout market for LA. But none of those teams are, or none of those guys are flipping your odds at this point. Which right now, right now, DraftKings, Los Angeles Lakers, 
45 to 1 to win an NBA title. So it's tough and it's um it sucks because you want continuity out there, but I think painting that picture of what the Lakers look like without Anthony Davis, what they look like in some of these lineups with you know LeBron at the 5, not all is lost here for the Lakers. They're still going to pretty much be the same team and there's a chance, dare I say, they could be a little bit better, especially on the offensive end of the floor when forced to play without him. Now, having said that, this team seems destined to be a play-in team. They're six game out of the nine seed with 24 left on the schedule, and their schedule is tough. Third hardest schedule by win percentage. They got two games left for the Clippers. They got two games left for the Warriors. They got two against Dallas, one against Phoenix, two against Toronto, two against Denver. They're going to be a play-in team. Just depends on if they're going to finish in that 7-8 bracket or in that 9-10 bracket and be forced to win two games. And even if they finish in the 7-8, obviously no guarantee that they only got to they only play one game because, of course, they could lose that 7-8 matchup if it's going to be the Los Angeles Clippers, who uh, seem to be we'll call it comfortably slotted in there, but uh, plenty of time for them to slide. So I mentioned they play Toronto twice. Speaking of Toronto, uh, Toronto, like the city, the, uh, the powers that be, are going to drop proof of vaccination for fans on March 1st. So you're going to ask, why the, does that matter? Well, initially permitted capacity was going to rise to 50% on Monday, 100% on March 14th, but... On Monday, Ontario government announced starting Thursday, 50% of seating capacity would be allowed in large sporting event, live music venues, and increase to full capacity March 1st. Why does this matter? Well, if you remember a topic we had on this pod about, uh, it was right around New Year's Eve, with the cutting down of the fans, you figured, hey man, some of these road or some of these home games for Toronto are going to take on a bubble-like atmosphere. It's going to be empty arenas, good shooting lines, maybe scoring picks up. Well, in the 12 games that they have played since playing in front of empty, limited uh, fans and, you know, friends, all that stuff, uh, overs in those 12 games, 9-3 and three to the over. So, did pan out that way, as we discussed on this podcast. Those games at home did go over the total. So, we'll see what happens as uh, more fans pile into the building. You start to get some more sellout crowds, because this is a good team, so you're going to start to get some uh, really solid crowds, I would think, gathering to watch this Toronto team. So, just something to keep in mind. Nothing we want to you know focus on entirely too much here, but something to keep in mind as you move forward with getting ready for the second second half. I put in air quotes of the NBA season. Toronto's going to start playing in front of uh, these full capacity crowds again, um, and that could affect what we're seeing from a scoring perspective. When your child fights sleep, it can feel like a battle you'll never win. Imagine a bedtime routine you all look forward to, where you cuddle in and let the stress of the day melt away. Welcome to Sleep Tight Stories, a calming weekly podcast that brings bedtime stories, cuddles, and comfort to families worldwide. The stories are quirky, relatable, and spark wonder without overstimulation, so listeners can fall asleep and stay asleep. Each episode is narrated by me, Cheryl McLeod, a second grade teacher, and written by my husband Clark, an eternal second grader at heart. Tune in tonight and bond over a story before drifting off to sleep. Make bedtime the sweetest part of your day. Sleep Tight Stories. Listen to Sleep Tight Stories on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Parents, if you've ever experienced bedtime battles with the kids, I'm going to let you into a little secret. I'm Abby, a mother of two, and I had these battles myself. Endless excuses, delay tactics, and many tears and tantrums. But I've created a solution. The perfect kids podcast that makes bedtime a dream. It's called Koala Moon and it's hosted by me, Abby. 
with over 300 episodes packed with original stories and sleep meditations. Koala Moon makes bedtimes easy and enjoyable. Episodes start out engaging and really rather magical, but as they progress, they gently slow to a calm and relaxing pace to have your little ones out like a light. Since launching in 2022, Koala Moon has helped with over 20 million nights sleep and received over 6,000 five-star reviews. Win back your evenings. Listen to Koala Moon now on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Parents, ready to discover a new educational and interactive podcast for kids? Join Stories for Kids by Lingo Kids, where episodes are packed with fun activities. Right, Elliot? Oh, yes! We learned how to recycle at the beach. That was great fun. Callie, what do you say? It was. And that time when we did the science experiments and Billy made raisins dance. That is so cool, Billy. He did. <laughs> Not to mention when a certain Elliot took up swimming classes with Lisa. That was me! <laughs> Bet you can't catch me. I'm going to get you. All this fun and more in our Stories for Kids. Lingo Kids Stories for Kids is now available on StoryButton, the kid-friendly device for screenless podcast listening. Listen to Stories for Kids on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. So with that, let's take a look at the All-Star Weekend. Let's have a little bit of fun with this uh, skills challenge, the three-point contest. I'll touch on the slam dunk contest. I don't really love the slam dunk contest that much. And I didn't grow up really in the heyday of the slam dunk contests. They really fell off as I was becoming an, uh, you know, a full-on basketball fan. Uh, the last good slam dunk contest was uh, Aaron Gordon and Zach Levine, right, all those years ago. Uh, but these are really falling off, and it just comes down to, like, some, you know, some – Youngish players, you know, kids that just want to participate and get their names in there. You don't really see the guys that you really want to see for the most part, but we'll get to that. Uh, so, yeah, so dunk contest, skills contest, and then, of course, three-point shooting, and then we'll get to the All-Star game itself. So let's start with the uh, skills contest because I got to tell you, I'm disappointed, man. Like, I, out of all of these challenges, skills competitions, whatever is an All-Star weekend, I was actually a really big fan of the skills challenge. My com- my complaint was that I think you expanded the field, right? You know, I think uh, – uh, what would they do? Would they do eight, if I remember correctly? A four on each side of the bracket, and then they would play in, in a bracket format till you reach the end. And granted, that would take a while if you expand the format, but like I liked the, the little gauntlet that they ran, and, and it was only a one-on-one kind of thing where you you, know, you start with the ball, you jump to the cones, got to hit a layup, all of a sudden come back, got to hit a three-point shot, come back. Like it, it was a really, I thought it was really fun. Like the, the relays were really quick. And uh, you got some upsets. One year cashed on Bam at a bio to win the skills challenge at 10 to 1. We've seen Carl Anthony Towns win it before. So I thought they were really cool. I thought they were really fun. But they're changing it up this year. No longer is it mano y mano. No longer is it one on one. Uh, now we have three teams competing in the skills challenge. We have Team Rooks, Josh Giddy, Cade Cunningham, Scotty Barnes will be on the team. Team Cavs, Darius Garland, Evan Mobley, Jarrett Allen. Remember, All Star Weekend is in, uh, in Cleveland. Team Antetokounmpo. Giannis, Thanasis, and Alex Antetokounmpo. Those are your three teams. Team Rooks is a uh, odds-on favorite, minus 125. Team Cavs, 2-1. to one. And Team Antetokounmpo, plus 320. Contest rules. 
Three teams will compete during the first three rounds, in which the two teams with the most challenge points will earn the right to advance to the final round. Round one, you're going to shoot. Uh, all three players from each team individually get 30 seconds to shoot from five spots, with the more difficult shots being worth more points. The team with the most collective points will win the round and earn 100 challenge points. Edge, Team Rooks. Well, we'll get there. Uh, round two, passing. All players will participate in passing to moving targets that range in size and distance. Again, the more difficult passes are worth more points. The team with the most collective points will win the round and earn 100 challenge points. And then the real life. Third round will resemble the, the, resemble, resemble, uh, the past NBA skills challenge format. All players will participate in a timed relay, five-step relay, outlet pass, dribbling through pylons, making a short shot, making a corner three, dribble to the opposite end, and make a shot team with the fastest time will win the round and earn 200 challenge points which then moves you on to the final round final round of the skills challenge will feature two teams competing to make a half court shot two teams with the most points move on um so sounds a little bit more convoluted but at the end of the day when you look at this so we're talking about the first three rounds being shooting passing and a relay shooting all three players each team individually get 30 seconds to shoot from five spots with the more difficult shots being worth more points so automatically, you look at a team like the Cleveland Cavaliers, who have <laughs> who have Evan Mobley, who I love, uh, and Jarrett Allen on their team. And again, in a shooting competition. So let's talk about this from that perspective really quickly. Jarrett Allen this year. Let's take a look at his profile as a shooter, huh? Takes 72% of his shots within four feet of the basket. Takes 23% of his shots from four to 14 feet. And then it gets progressively shorter from there. Only 4% from uh, 14 feet or out to the perimeter. 26% overall from mid-range. He has taken a grand total of six corner threes this year. Nine overall three-point attempts on 566 shot attempts in terms of accuracy. While he can hit long mid-range shots, he's only taken 20 of them and hit 10 of them. Congratulations on the 50%, but that's not really great in terms of frequency of attempts. And then, of course... You can get to the corner threes and the non-corner threes. Uh, he is, as a whole, 1-9 from three-point range on the year, Jarrett Allen. Evan Mobley, a little bit better, right, in terms of what he does as a player. Uh, he can expand the floor a little bit more, but still not really great for Mobley, right? Now, most of his shots come from the short-mid to a long-mid-range area of the floor. 35% of his attempts come from short-mid-range, again, 4 to 14 feet. 11% of his attempts come from long mid-range. If we're talking about accuracy, he is only a 27% shooter on 66 three-point attempts this year. Uh, he has hit six of 16 corner three-point attempts, but again, sample size, not that long. And he's mostly a finisher and can hit some long mid-range shots, but again, only 29 to 72 on the year. Don't I do not doubt Darius Garland in any way whatsoever in terms of what he's able to do as a shooter. He's actually been incredible in terms of his efficiency as a scorer this year. Uh, he has really ramped it up in his ability to score uh, for multiple areas of the floor. But this year, just to give you an idea of it, he's already surpassed the amount of three-point attempts he took last season in 54 games. He's got 298 this year, but he's maintaining a good shooting percentage, shoots 38% from three. He's a 38% three-point shooter on non-corner shots. All mid-range attempts, 158 or, 229, or 299 on the season, shooting 53% from mid-range, and a decent finisher within four feet. But again, talking about shooting here, it seems like both the Antetokounmpo's and the Cavs would be at a pretty big disadvantage to the Rooks. Uh, I shouldn't say pretty big. I'd say a, a good disadvantage with a guy like Cade Cunningham. As part of Team Rooks, Cunningham, of course, coming along strong with his ability uh, to score for multiple areas of the floor and shoot the ball. Now, on the season, shooting 33%, uh, but it's really come along in terms of his scoring. And if you look at his uh, 
some of his game logs in terms of some of his three-point shooting and his numbers and what he's been able to do lately. He's had some pretty good performances here. Three of six uh, from three-point range against the Boston Celtics the other night. Two of five against Charlotte. Two of four against the Cleveland Cavaliers. Had a good game against Denver, winning which six and nine recently. Uh, so it's coming along here a little bit better for Kate Cunningham as a shooter. And uh, then you have guys like Scotty Barnes. Yeah, Barnes don't really know uh, how, I'll say how reliable it would be outside of the uh, mid-range area of the floor. He shoots 42% from short mid-range, shoots 42% overall from mid-range. Um, so, yeah, I think you wonder about, like, what uh, what Barnes can bring to the table when you're talking about breaking this down from a skills competition standpoint. And Giddy, Giddy's actually not that good of a three-point shooter, but he's fantastic in the mid-range area of the floor. So I would say edge to Team Rooks, as we're talking about with, you know, Antetokounmpo, Giannis and Thanasis and Alex, and I can't pretend like I know Alex, but they're the longest shots for a reason as we get into it. But uh, round one shooting, we'll get slide edge to Team Rooks. Uh, passing, Team Rooks, absolutely. Uh, Cade Cunningham is a really solid passer. Don't get me started on Josh Giddy. We can we don't even need to break down Josh Giddy. Josh Giddy is a passer. has been absolutely fantastic. If you haven't been watching him play, he's six foot eight and he runs the points essentially for the Oklahoma City Thunder. Cade Cunningham has really come along as a passer as the season has gone along. 99th percentile at his position in terms of assist rate. Assist to usage rate, 0.94. It's the 95th percentile as well. Uh, he's been absolutely spectacular as a facilitator this year on a limited team. And remember that, again, you don't need people to make shots. This is just passing. Uh, we're talking about moving targets, a range in size and distance, more difficult passes worth more points. Guys like Cunningham and Giddy alone should be able to take care of business here. Garland uh, is a really good passer at his own right, but Mobley and Jarrett Allen, you wonder exactly how um, effective that will be. And the same thing goes with Giannis, Thanasis, and Alex. Again, not really knowing Alex, but it seems like in round two, give me an edge to the Rooks. And then finally, the relay, uh, just overall skills challenge for me, as we talked about. That gets a little bit more even, right? I think the Cavs are at a pretty big disadvantage there with Mobley and Allen. Uh, but Giannis, of course, very skilled in terms of his ability to compete there. But again, you've got two backcourt players and a frontcourt guy, Scotty Barnes, competing on Team Rooks, but Gideon Cunningham run their offenses. These are skilled ball handlers. So I think the Rooks are rightfully favored, and I actually wouldn't mind laying a dollar twenty-five if you were going to be betting the skills challenge. So official pick for the skills challenge, Team Rooks and minus one twenty-five. Big on this. Now, with that, let's get to the fun. The real the real deal is the three point competition over the weekend this is my favorite thing bet it every single year uh, because it's actually like a comp you know like the skills challenge is a competition but this you can kind of base it in like analysis and you have profiles on these guys and how they play all of these things so i think there's things here that you're gonna like and for the most part too with this three-point contest you could tell uh, this is pretty evenly matched the the field's not great it's not sexy no big names luke Kennard, patty mills fred van vliet zach levine trey young desmond bain cj mccullough Excuse me, Carl Anthony Towns got a hiccup right there. <laughs> um, so it's not the best. And Luke Kennard has been uh, deemed the favorite by oddsmakers of plus 450. But even the gap between him and C.J. McCollum, plus 450 to 750, which C.J. McCollum is the second longest shot on the board, gives you an idea of what this field is like. And then you go from Kennard to Desmond Bain, who's at 6-1. to one. There's a bunch of players in between. So this is a pretty tight field. So from there, you kind of break this down. And Kennard on the season, he's a 44% three-point shooter on the year, 299 attempts. He's done a fantastic job. He's been great from both areas, right? Corner threes, he's a 44% shooter. Non-corner threes, 44% shooter. Here's the thing, though, with a guy like Luke Kennard. 
he has only taken 45 three-point attempts from the corners. And last year, he was a good corner shooter as well. But again, he only took 60 attempts on the season. Hasn't been his most consistent area in his career. Last year with Detroit, he only shot 39% from the corners. Uh, And his rookie year, he only took 30 attempts, but still only shot 33% from the corners. So while Luke Kennard, I think, deserves to be a favorite to a certain extent, uh, definitely not on the list for me in terms of winning this competition. Now, I think a lot of people would be drawn to Patty Mills, and this is just subjective thought, okay, that I'm about to that I'm about to hit you with here. First off, Patty is actually not a really good three-point shooter from the corners. I shouldn't say not a very good one, but, you know, corner three-point shooting, 39% overall might sound good, but from the corners, you want to shoot above 40%, even a little bit higher. You know, case in point, in the last few years, uh, Patty Mills with the San Antonio Spurs last year, 45% from the corner, 46% the previous year, 47% the previous year after that. So it goes on and on and on. Uh, this year, he's only shooting 39% from corners. So that would put you at a little bit of a disadvantage if that's going to continue when you get to those corner racks. Non-corner three-point shooting, he's been freaking awesome. 43% from beyond the arc on those above-the-break threes. Here's my thing, though. When you think of, like, close your eyes and think about Patty Mills, Right. When you hear when you think of Patty Mills shooting three-point shots, do you picture Patty Mills just standing in a spot, catching it, pulling up, and hitting it? I don't. I'm also closing my eyes too, by the way, for those who are listening. When I picture Patty Mills, I picture Patty Mills coming just screaming off of a screen and curling into a three-point shot above the break, right? Like that's what I picture. I picture Patty Mills in action, sprinting across the baseline, coming back down on like a pin down screen and getting to the top of the key, catching a shot or catching a pass and then just pull it up and shoot, right? That's kind of what I picture. And I do wonder if just these spot up, you know, shots just from a ball rack, does that make Patty Mills comfortable? Does that, you know, does that actually add to his strengths or does it not really help being a guy who's used to just like, you know, catching and shooting and pulling up and all those things when coming off of screens? It's just, again, it is just speculation on my part. But hey, man, it's the All-Star game. Let's recklessly speculate about guys and how we think they're going to handle this thing. Parents, if you've ever experienced bedtime battles with the kids, I'm going to let you into a little secret. I'm Abby, a mother of two, and I had these battles myself. Endless excuses, delay tactics, and many tears and tantrums. But I've created a solution. The perfect kids podcast that makes bedtime a dream. It's called Koala Moon and it's hosted by me, Abby. With over 300 episodes packed with original stories and sleep meditations, Koala Moon makes bedtimes easy and enjoyable. Episodes start out engaging and really rather magical, but as they progress, they gently slow to a calm and relaxing pace to have your little ones out like a light. Since launching in 2022, Koala Moon has helped with over 20 million nights sleep and received over 6,000 five-star reviews. Win back your evenings. Listen to Koala Moon now on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Parents, ready to discover a new educational and interactive podcast for kids? Join Stories for Kids by Lingo Kids, where episodes are packed with fun activities. Right, Elliot? Oh, yes! We learned how to recycle at the beach. That was great fun. Callie, what do you say? It was. 
And that time when we did the science experiment, and Billy made raisins dance. That is so cool, Billy. He did. <laughs> Not to mention when a certain Elliot took up swimming classes with Lisa. That was me. <laughs> Bet you can't catch me. I'm going to get you. All this fun and more in our stories for kids. Lingo Kids Stories for Kids is now available on Story Button, the kid-friendly device for screenless podcast listening. Listen to Stories for Kids on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. NFL Total Access, the podcast, is getting you ready for the 2024 NFL Draft. I'm your host, Andrew Levy, and I'll be delivering two shows a week to make sure you're caught up on the very latest NFL news, including every free agency move and how it changes the draft needs of your favorite team. Draft experts and talent scouts, mock drafts, and a few shock drafts, too. NFL Total Access, the podcast, is already on the clock on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. So you got the percentages there. Patty Mills is really good, but uh, I, to me, not on the list for me. Not on the list this weekend. So then we get to one of my favorite players in the league right now. That would be Fred Van Vliet. Now, Fred Van Vliet, very good shooter from all areas of the floor. 41% from three. 47% on corner three-point attempts this season. 39% on non-corner threes. I had two candidates to win the three-point contest. One of them is Fred Van Vliet. I think if you're betting on it, Fred Van Vliet, you can get him at five to one. Uh, excuse me, uh, yeah, five to one. To me, if I'm if I'm taking a shot, uh, Fred Van Vliet at five to one is going to be one of the two guys that I'm going to have uh, on. This is Saturday, right? Yeah, over the weekend for the three point contest. I think he checks the boxes. Uh, he is not as I would think, you know, in terms of the analysis of how he gets his three point shooting. Uh, he is not a guy. Well. He can come off screens and everything like that. He is one of those guys that's more of ball in his hands, will pull up. All the, I think he'd be more comfortable in a situation like this where we're talking about ball racks and just hitting three-point shots, moving on to the next spot and hitting them. So, again, just reckless speculation. But I just feel like I like Fred Van Vliet better, and his corner numbers are better than Patty Mills. So, boom, give me Fred Van Vliet. Zach Levine, here's the thing. We can go through Zach Levine's numbers. Uh, Zach Levine is not healthy at this point right now. And Zach Levine, of course, is expected uh, to – um, be fine, right? He went to go get the knee checked out, and uh, it looks like he's not going to miss any time. He'll be back after the All-Star break. Uh, he was cleared to participate in All-Star weekend. That was two days ago. But, like, you wonder, is he really going to go all, Like, I don't even know about all out. It's just you got a guy with a bum knee who just got cleared to play, playing in, yes, only a three-point contest, but still, like, do you really buy it? Do you really buy it? Now, from a numbers perspective, because we covered everything here, right? You got to be, you can't be. What's the word I'm looking for? I can't. uh, You can't be biased. There we go. Uh, Zach Levine on the season in terms of shooting accuracy. And here's what gets you. Uh, He's a great corner three-point shooter. And he's going to make a lot of his money uh, on those corners, right? 29 to 52. But above the break, only shoots 37% this year, which is solid, which is good. And he's a 43-point shooter, a 40% three-point shooter. But he makes most of his money from the corners. So you only get two racks. Uh, the rest of these, right, a majority of the racks are going to be above the break. So you wonder what that's going to look like for Levine when he's not shooting with his strength, uh, excuse me, from his areas of strength 
which are the corners. So after that, then we get to the uh, near the bottom of the list. So Trey Young's on this list. Trey Young's a weird one. I'm not sure how I feel about Trey Young uh, because I think they're still going to have a, like those Mountain Dew money balls or whatever they are. But like Trey Young, in terms of his three point shooting, actually the last few years, his like his time in the league hasn't been good. Right, his rookie year he shot 32 percent. 2019, 2020, he shot 35 percent from three on 530 attempts. Um, last year, shot only 33 percent on 375 attempts. This is the first year that he's shooting over 35 percent from three for the season, and he's shooting only 39. He's shooting 39 percent, which is solid. But he's only taken 13 corner threes. Like this is a guy that right works above the break. We know that he's a point guard. That's his main uh, area of operation. He's not going to play off ball, camp in the corners. So it's not surprising that he's only taken 13 corner attempts this season. And by the way, he's never taken more than 20 in a year in terms of corner three point attempts. So give me everything. Uh, give me like everything anti Trey Young. I would say. And there's some other props we can talk about. Trey Young immediately crossed off. Don't think this is the competition for Trey Young. Which moves us to number two on my list to win the three-point shooting contest. Desmond Bain of the Memphis Grizzlies. Desmond Bain, who is shooting 42% from three this year, 43% on non-corner attempts, 40% from the corners on 84 attempts on the season. Desmond Bain is freaking awesome. I think Desmond Bain at 6-1, to one, give it to me right now. He's going to be the winner of this competition. He is the one that I'm most confident in. I'll have him and Fred Van Vliet to win this thing. And we can talk about C.J. McCollum and Carl Anthony Towns. And, you know, I'm going to be dismissive of them because whatever. Uh, but at the end of the day, I think it's Desmond Bain and it's Fred Van Vliet. You want to go through the numbers for C.J. McCollum really quickly, uh, for those who are actually looking at this and listening. 42% from three on the year. He's actually an 80% corner three-point shooter this year. But uh, for uh, I should I, I actually strike, strike that, strike that. He is a 480% three-point shooter for the Pelicans because he's only hit, uh, he's only shot five attempts and he's four or five. Uh, he's all, he only shot 33% from the corners for Portland earlier this season. But 42% shooter from three, I get it, but he's not a great non-corner three-point shooter. He's shooting 37% for the Pels, 39% for the Portland Trailblazers. I, I just put it this way, there is a reason why he is as low on the board as he is, especially given the fact that this is a, a field that is wide open and isn't really that uh, – uh, deep. It's just a bunch of dudes who are kind of uh, similarly rated in terms of the way that they shoot. And then there's Carl Anthony Towns, who is not a good three corner three point shooter, shooting 29% this year from the corners. Last year, shot 25%. And while he shoots above 40% from above the break and those non corner threes, uh, those corners are going to be a problem for Cat. So Desmond Bain, six to one, and Fred Van Vliet, five to one. You heard it here first three point contest. They're going to win this thing. They don't want to hear anything else about it. All right. So from there, again, like. The slam dunk contest, I'm not really a big fan of. And there's nothing really to break down because they have no idea what the hell these guys are going to do. So then we get to the all-star game itself. And again, not something I'm a really big fan of wagering on. Um, right now, the total, uh, not shockingly, of course, uh, bet up from 319.5. It's as high as 323 in some spots. It's as low as 321.5. So you can go around and get some certain uh, numbers there. I will say that I do like Team LeBron... Uh, excuse me. Yeah, I do like team. Uh, you know what? Hold on. Let me make sure I got this in my notes right. I think I have my rosters mixed up here for a second uh, because I thought that. Uh, let's see. <laughs> got to pull this up here. Yep. 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 Okay. Yeah. Team LeBron. Uh, team LeBron. I thought was the uh, the better team at this point right now. Uh, when you look at the roster and the makeup of it. But again, like we're just speculating. Like, am I really going to break down LeBron James, Giannis Antetokounmpo, and 
those lineups with Steph Curry and him and DeMar DeRozan. No, I don't really give a bleep. Um, I will say Steve Mackinac did a tremendous job in Point Spread Weekly this week. He broke down each of these players' player efficiency ratings. Um, then he panned out like what a minutes uh, like a lineup would be, and oh, he did a. Tr- I'm not going to do it justice. Just go watch it. So, point of this pod really is to give you for the three point contest. I'm going to be on Fred VanVleet. I'm going to be on Desmond Bain, and I'm just going to have some fun this weekend. And I just wanted to have a fun little uh, lighthearted pod as we kind of reach a little bit of a lull on the schedule. Now again. On Monday, we're going to have a little bit more of a thicker, deeper uh, podcast. We're going to talk a bit about a few things on there as we look ahead to the next uh, six weeks of the NBA season as we get ramped up for the playoffs already here. And I'd also like to say uh, we do have some news coming in terms of hardwood handicappers and some expansion of some sort, uh, which will uh, I think is be good news because, uh, yeah, can't do it without you guys. You guys have been absolutely fantastic in terms of the support for the pod, looking at some of the numbers. Uh, with that, look out for the new episode on Monday. Until then, we will talk to you in a few. Good luck this weekend. Welcome to Season 9 of Next Question with me, Katie Couric. I've got some big news to share with you in our season premiere featuring the one and only Chris Jenner. Oh my gosh, congratulations. That is very, very exciting. And that's just the beginning. We'll also be joined by podcast host Jay Shetty, Hillary Clinton, Renee Fleming, Liz Cheney, and many more. So come on in, take a break from the incessant negativity for a weekly dose of fascinating conversations. Some of them, I promise, will actually put you in a good mood. Listen to Next Question with me, Katie Couric, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith, host of the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and I answer your phone calls and respond to your tweets. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions and straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. All that and more. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Elevation with Stephen Furtick podcast was created with you in mind. This is a podcast for those feeling discouraged or needing guidance from God. Together in this podcast, we'll dive deep into scripture, uncover the powerful truths that will help you rise above your limitations and embrace your full potential. We're here to equip you with the tools you need to conquer life's challenges. Listen to Elevation with Stephen Furtick every Sunday and Friday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.